<laughs> All right, Dr. Dan, we have entered a new realm. Dr. Bradford, what realm might that be? We're in real life right here. It's all right. Let me do, let me do my Joe, Joe Rogan head roll. <laughs> Jamie, pull that up. Love that guy. <laughs> I've been listening to him a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's not, I don't, I don't know lately, but he, I know he wasn't a fan of chiropractors at one point in time. Mm. But uh, hey, you know, teach his own. He has, he has some good guests on him, and I like his stance on uh, many things that, uh, you know, affect the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if he came here, he'd probably change his tune on chiropractors. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'd, I'd hope so, you know. <laughs> Everyone has a little little difference of, uh, you know, practice and whatnot. Sure. So welcome back to another episode of Community Guidelines. I'm Dr. Bradford. Dr. Dan here. Today. Dr. Dan the man. I brought both guns. That's why we had to have two cameras on Dr. Dan so we can get the size of both arms yes. covered yes. on video. And I, <laughs> I'm not going to put my hands in my pockets because I don't have my concealed carry. Nice. Yet. Nice. Might have to change that. <laughs> Although Arizona, I don't think you have to have that. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Although you do have certain... Um, there's certain factors like benefits of having it, but uh, I know we're, we're, we're talking about doing something like that, you yeah. know, here, but um, yeah, there's, uh, I have mine and uh, you know, I think that uh, me personally, before we get into the realm of what we're going to talk about me personally, I think that uh, it taught me one thing that um, if you ever pull your gun on someone, mm -hmm. um even maybe if they're in your house, boy, you are going to have one hell of a legal battle ahead of you for the next couple of years. And it's yeah. really fascinating. And, and, uh, I went from, you know, caring to where I don't, I'm like, I really don't want that. Uh, mm. you know, I, I don't want that responsibility, but <clears throat> that's just me. You know, a lot of people, I, you know, we have patients in here that, that, uh, carry some, you know, some do, some don't, some are, deathly afraid of guns, but, um, I think everyone should take a CCW class because it, it's not the yeah. wild west. And it does teach you about, you know, that if you, uh, <clears throat> if you decide that you're going to, uh, you know, pull a pistol on someone that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of trouble and a lot of, uh, mental anguish and stress over the next couple of years and trying to, uh, get yeah. out of what, what happened now. You can also say that, well, you'd be alive, your family's alive, but yeah. yeah, that's why, that's why I train too. So, you know, I can, if someone breaks <laughs> into my house and they get, you know, I can, I can practice on them some of my, yes. my technique, but if I don't get to them, then my, my two dogs will, you know, dismember them. <laughs> two dogs now? Two. Did you get a second one? I got a second one. Yeah. Another, oh my gosh. Yeah. Another Connie Corso. So. Okay. Cool dogs. Cool dogs. Awesome. Yeah, we, we were at, uh, speaking of concealed carry, we were at Texas Roadhouse last night. We're sitting there eating our meal. Yeah. These three guys come sit down. They're probably in their 20s. One of them is wearing like these baggy basketball shorts. Yeah. He, he sits down and his pistol falls out of his pocket <laughs> right? onto the ground. <laughs> My son's like, that guy's got a gun. <laughs> 
like, oh, okay. Wild West Arizona, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of unnerving, but you know, it's uh, you know, a little bit. Yeah, society's changing a little bit, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, people are scared out there. You know, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so Doc, I got a question for you. Hit me. So, why, how, what? gathered your interest to go into alternative methods of healing versus mainstream uh, medical. Now, I think that we want to talk about why we do what we do. And there's a reason for this. Okay. Yeah. And the reason that, that I kind of thought about this was you've been helping people through COVID for <clears throat> years now. Mm -hmm. Prescribe the ivermectin, people yeah. get better. I personally have invited ICU doctors to our office to see what you are doing. And I've also requested that they get, you know, I had uh, some uh, credentials at two of the hospitals here in town at one point in time. And I said, you know, call the CEO. Let me see in the ICU what is going on. Yeah. No takers, no, no offers, but, you know, they, a lot of them quit running their mouth about how ivermectin doesn't work. Well, um, the, I noticed that, um, there were some fact checkers because people were coming out and saying that ivermectin is now on the NIH website as a treatment for COVID. And then right behind those, I see where the fact checkers come out and they sure. say that's abs absolutely not true. So I went in and did my research and published right there on NIH's website is um, a great meta-analysis of uh, previous studies and they prove in their conclusion that if we used and they say with moderate certainty if we used ivermectin on patients early on in the infection you know process that it would have prevented thousands of hospital deaths due to covid <laughs> and that comes right from the nih website I would, I would say hundreds of thousands. Yeah. So comment on, you know what, you know, in you and I sat down and we, and uh, you know, I said, look, if we go this route, if we talk about this on our podcast, if we have this type of practice, you know, we will be a target of not only, you know, uh, militant patients that don't like what we're doing, uh, the cancel culture, but we'll also, you know, be targeted through the podcast through colleagues that are medical doctors. And, yeah. you know, funny thing is, is that all the vaxxed, um, you know, medical doctors and nurses that I had, a lot of them are coming to us for, they want to know what's in the IVs because now they're having the long haul syndrome and, mm -hmm. you know, fatigue issues and memory issues and whatnot. Uh, blood clots, we've seen that multiple times. So, I mean, these last two and a half years have been very eye-opening. Uh, your initial question, like what, what and how and what drove me into this path. I don't know if it was any one thing. Um, I have, I've always, for whatever reason, had this sense of like seeing where the crowd is going and thinking or looking for opportunities to divert away from that. Sure. <laughs> so 
you know, go, growing up, I, I remember going to the doctor. I remember my pediatrician. Um, but after, you know, going through the pediatric visits and stuff, I don't remember really ever going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, always been kind of a pretty healthy kid, mm-hmm. uh, active, you know, running around. And uh, so I guess I never really, and I didn't see my parents doing that either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of my parents are on a couple of medications right now, but I don't remember them ever going to the doctor, like having that be a, a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I kind of lived and grew up outside of the normal medical model. Mm-hmm. I never, growing up, I never had aspirations to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've said on here before, I'm, I'm, as far as I know, I'm the only doctor in my family. Um, I've got a lot of siblings. I've got one sibling that works an IT job in a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, I have a brother-in-law that's a nurse. Um, but other than that, really nobody else is in the medical field. Sure. So I didn't have that pressure. Yeah. Um, even when announcing, you know, and telling family that I was going to go to naturopathic medical school, mm-hmm. I think my wife said, you, well, you're going to go to Hogwarts. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I didn't have that pressure. I didn't have that, you know, sway or stigma for quote alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went into it with a really open mind when I was in, uh, after I graduated my undergrad, I got a job in a hospital Mm -hmm. in an ER. Mm -hmm. I was a scribe Mm -hmm. for the ER physicians Mm -hmm. and taking, so my job was to take notes on the uh, electronic medical record system so that the doctor could focus on the patient and not have to be screwing around with the computer. So it was a really cool, really interesting job. I got to be kind of the fly on the wall yeah, and see these interactions with, you know, high stress, high intervention medicine. You know, everybody was getting a whole panel of blood and a CT scan. You know, they didn't think twice about ordering a CT scan or x-ray or just immediately going to like high intervention medicine. Mm -hmm. I did that job for about a year and a half. And, you know, when you start to see the same people coming back to the ER Mm -hmm. for the same chronic condition, in my mind, I was thinking like something here is, is broken. So you're talking the same, the same actual individual, or you're talking the same type of person that both. Okay. Okay. Both, you know, we'd have in in the ER, they call them frequent flyers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So these patients that are, you know, going after pain medicines or really uncontrolled diabetics or abdominal pain, Mm -hmm. you know, that was doctors would always roll their eyes when an abdominal pain would come in because it could be so many different things and it could be nothing at all. Um, you know, so they'd keep the patients comfortable and do their due diligence, but then ultimately say, you got to go talk with your primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these guys, a lot of these patients didn't have a primary care doctor. Yeah. And so in my mind, you know, this is my first kind of introduction into the medical world. I saw patients that weren't getting better, weren't getting the answers that they wanted. I saw on the other side of it, doctors and nurses that were frustrated 
angry, pissed off, exhausted, weren't happy. You know, there's exceptions. Mm -hmm. A couple of the docs, they were awesome. Uh, but for the most part, it was, it was just kind of a really depressing place to work. Would they be uh, pissed off just because of, you know, they're, they're seeing these patients as just never get better or, I mean, what's the, what do you mean by that? A little bit of that. And, you know, comments about, you know, how their hands are kind of tied and, mm -hmm. you know, this patient really needs a, somebody that they can go to and not treat the ER like their doctor's office. Right. Right. So I, you know, I saw all these kind of gaps in how people were treated, how people were getting better, not getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, and left that job with an immense respect for emergency room doctors because mm -hmm. really they operate a lot of times like a like a veterinarian kind of like patient comes in they can't really explain what's going on and so the er doctor has to think without a lot of input from the patient mm -hmm. is this patient going to die on me what do i need to do to have them leave this er right, right. alive limit the liability yeah so I think Western medicine shines mm -hmm. in those emergency situations. Mm -hmm. You know, gunshot wounds, we had those come in, not too many. We were in Mesa, mm -hmm. kind of in a retirement community. So not a lot of that, but we did see a lot of strokes, a lot of heart attacks, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of emergency medicine where, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, I'm, I'm going to send you to the ER. I don't mm -hmm. have any problems with that mm -hmm. if it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a time and place for that, but I also saw an immense need for somebody who could be kind of play quarterback mm -hmm. for the patient mm -hmm. and give them exposure to other things besides drugs and surgery. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, I remember having conversations with the doctors that I would work with tell him I was, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Mm -hmm. uh, one doctor was really supportive. Uh, most of them didn't really say anything either way. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I could just really tell that a lot of the doctors were not, they didn't seem happy. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me. Like I, I want to go into a career where I can be happy, be satisfied, leave knowing that I've helped somebody. Sleep at night. Sleep at night, be with my family, not have to work. Yeah. I mean, I was working night shifts. That was mm -hmm. awful. Uh, eating hospital food. Yeah. Ugh. You know, that that's it's interesting that you say that because, um, <clears throat> you know, so often, you know, you, you, you know, to be a medical doctor, unfortunately, you know, back in, the, in when I was growing up, you would have, you know, people would go into professions uh, for the betterment of their community. So you yeah. have people that want to be a police officer because they want to bring safety to the community or, you know, what have you. They want to become a medical doctor because they want to help people. A lot of times what we're seeing these days is that it is a precise research of when someone is picking a career based off of, okay, what's the longevity? What's the liability? What's the ability to take time off, you know, how much money am I going to make? What's the benefits package like? Yeah. And so you see, we see more and more of that. We see it in the police, we see it in the medical doctor, you know, realm. And, 
you know, one of the things that um, I think uh, is not taught is that if you're a medical doctor, you know, one, you are hamstrung by what are the standards of care. So you might have, uh, you know, great ideas to do something more natural or, or, you know, in different ways. But if someone gets harmed or someone dies, you know, under your care while you're doing something yeah. alternative with a medical uh, license, um, you will be judged by your peers if someone brings a, a complaint against you. And that's one of the problems is there's a lot of egos in, in that type of profession. And the second thing is that you're, you know, as a, as a medical doctor, you're relegated mainly to what health insurances will pay you. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know what, that, that kind of sucks because, you know, if, you know, I've owned, you know, I owned one of the largest family practices, uh, in Mesa at one point in time, I was part owner of it. And, um, you know, I got to see what, you know, what those guys had to do. And there is a reason why, why the model these days is you have three to five minutes in front of your PCP to tell them what the problem yeah. is. Uh, they have to figure out what the differential diagnosis is and what the plan of action is. Um, and there's a reason why there's that three to five minute window because that's where they make money. And if they take more time than that, then they run the risk of going out of business and then they help no one. Yes. And that's one of the sad truths of why, you know, why doctors get beat down, you know, so much. Yeah. And, and that model turns into having to see 50 patients a day. Uh, you know, you're perpetually behind schedule. <laughs> patients yeah. are sitting for an hour in the waiting room. Yeah. And they've just kind of accepted that as the norm. You know, I, I get squirrely if I'm like five minutes late on a patient yeah. <laughs> and I, I can see them from my desk out there in the lobby waiting. I'm like, okay, got to wrap this up. Got to move on to the next. Well, and you know, and we, I have, you know, I have urgent care doctors that I treat and it is not uncommon for some of these urgent care doctors to see 60, 75 patients a day. That's and insane. The, and, and that's the standard, you know, you have to come up with that you know, that plan of action, you have to keep good notes. You have to do a lot of those things because, you know, yeah. if something happens, if they're getting referred out, they're going to call for those notes. You got to eat. And boy, so often it's like you're, you're, you're in for 12 hours of hell. And mm -hmm. how good of medicine is that when, you know, I can tell you, you know, the urgent cares that, you know, these doctors are seeing a lot of people and how good a care is that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, having seeing that firsthand, seeing this concept of standard of care and kind of algorithm medicine in the ER. Yeah, I just constantly thought like, there's got to be a different way. Yeah. Um, when I think you bring up the point because when you see the the shortcomings of that type of care and you don't see people getting better, mm -hmm. then you try and figure out, okay, there's got to be a better way where. You're actually solving people's problems rather than just saying, oh, you're, you know, your cholesterol is high. So just, you know, take this medication until it stops working. And then we got to find another one. Yeah. Or take this diabetic medication until your, you know, feet turn blue. And then we'll try and figure out what to do next. Yeah. You know? So it, it's been an interesting road. You know, if I'm kind of like a pioneer in the family, not all of my family members agree with things that I share, mm -hmm. especially in the last couple of years. But I've, I feel like I've found my path. I feel like I've found a profession and a way of 
approaching patients that really honors the truth and and stays open-minded and looks for the best way Mm -hmm. to approach something. Um, One experience that I had in medical school, I was talking to you about this before we hit record. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2006, Mm -hmm. June 6th, 2006, 666. I I started a prescription of Adderall. Adderall. Kind of self-diagnosed. Okay. Looking back on it, I I am still kind of baffled that it even happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a younger brother that was had my parents had taken him to the doctor and and he'd been put on something. Uh, and I remember having a conversation with him and thinking, oh yeah, I, I'm kind of like that too. Like I had an office job at the time in a cubicle. I get really restless mm-hmm. and just stand up randomly, walk around the office, just out of the blue, have a real hard time focusing and paying mm-hmm. attention. Um, I was in school at the time, you know, studying pre-med, all that stuff. And I thought, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I have ADHD. So I didn't have a doctor, um, got a referral from somebody who went to this guy and kind of explained my symptoms and he wrote me a script mm-hmm. like no questions asked mm-hmm. i didn't do a questionnaire i didn't a blood work no no blood yeah. work yeah. nothing he just there you go. writes me a 30-day supply yeah and says you know come back and we'll, we'll refill it we'll see if this works yeah so 2006 i was on that stuff for six years mm-hmm. seven years actually mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you've ever taken Adderall, mm-hmm. this stuff's great. Yeah, you get laser focused. Hmm. Uh, your appetite goes away. Mm-hmm. You lose weight. Mm-hmm. It's a stimulant. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very similar molecule to meth. Mm-hmm. And you feel great. You feel focused. Mm-hmm. You're able to work. You know, workload, you know. So I'm on this. Still on it, I get into naturopathic medical school mm-hmm. and we start doing clinical rotations mm-hmm. where we're learning how to take vitals on each other and blood pressure and all that. And my numbers were wacky. Like my blood pressure was consistently <laughs> high. Yeah. My pulse was Quick. over 100 yeah. all the time. Yeah. Which is about 20 points higher than you want it. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, oh, Maybe it's this medicine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I set on a course of trying to get off of it. Yeah. And worked with uh, the, my homeopathic professor in school. Mm-hmm. He ran a clinic, so I, I went and saw him as a patient. And he helped me get off of it. And, you know, that was 2012. I honestly haven't missed it since. I was... So what did you notice between the laser focus that you originally, you know, that first week when you take it and you're like, wow, this is really something versus when you got off of it, did you, did you miss anything by the time you got off of it? A little bit, but weaning off of it was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing how my body reacted to weaning off of it, mm-hmm. I remember thinking this was not good for my body. Yeah, yeah. 
I was having like nightmares, like wow. night terrors. Yeah, yeah. I would have the, I would, there was like people in my room. Yeah. I would try to scream and I couldn't scream. Like all the kind of like hallucinations and stuff. It was wild. Hmm. Weaning off and we weaned off slow. Um, but absolutely habit forming, addictive, uh, and messing with your neurotransmitters and brain function and all that kind of stuff. How old were you? This was 2012, 2013. So I was 32, 33. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine putting your kids on that? No. There are so many kids walking around on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, not at all. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, uh, <clears throat> You know, when I was about, I don't know, a year into uh, chiropractic college, I thought, you know what, I'm kind of cheating myself. I should have been, I should have gone and become a real doctor. You know, uh. there was always that, that, uh, you know, little tease that, you know, people would sure. know, uh, put forth. And uh, one, I think God always, you know, has us on the path of what, where he needs us in life, you know, as far as a calling. But, you know, what's fascinating is, is that I thought, when I was going through chiropractic college that, you know, we know how to adjust the frame, but, um, mm -hmm. medical doctors, they just know everything, you know, that that's the creme de la creme of, uh, of mm. education. And then once you get out and you realize that there are some major problems with a lot of the care, um, you know, from cures to, palliative care where you're just kind of keep, keeping someone going along to, uh, you know, the side effects of a lot of these medications. And then you realize that, wow, that's, this is really interesting. You know, uh, they don't have all the answers. And I know, no. you know, the, the, I think it's the largest, uh, neurology group here in, in the Valley. Um, you know, they would refer patients to me for headaches and, I remember the first time I got one, you know, and uh, I knew them because we were doing the radio show together mm -hmm. and uh, the owner of it was a uh, osteopath. So they, they are familiar with adjusting. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, that's part of their curriculum. But it wasn't accepted in the hospitals, but he knew that I was up for staff privileges, you know, at two hospitals here at one time. And, um, you know, what was fascinating was, uh, you know, like, um, uh, Jan, who just left, who, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Nelson's wife, and she was referred in by the head of neurology of one of the hospitals here for headaches. And, you know, when it's like you, you take the background and they just have this myriad of cocktails that they try in order to stave off, yeah. um, you know, stave off headaches. And then you find out that oh, the neck curvature is going the wrong way and the brain stems all kinked up coming out of the skull. How about let's, you know, address that. And all of a sudden the headaches go away. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the very first patient that I got from those guys, it was a guy who liked to, uh, ride long distance on his, uh, his road bike, his, okay. you know, whatever they 10, 21 speed. I mean, you know, whatever mm -hmm. they are, non-motorized bicycle. And, um, so he would go through this, you know, process because he said, you know, their cocktails are working less and less. So I said, well, what, you know, what happens? He goes, well, I take this you know, about three days before I know that I'm going to go on a long ride because I take this drug and then I take this drug and then I take this one the day of, and then I go on the long ride. And then I know for the next three days afterwards, I have a, a massive migraine headache. Mm 
Mm. And he said they would kind of, you know, keep me, you know, in a, in a position where I could still work. And he goes, now it's just not, you know, I can't even work. I'm just in a dark room for three days afterwards. But that was his outlet. He just liked riding bikes, you know? Right. And if you have, you know, if you have good health, you should be able to ride a bike. Right? Yeah. Should be able to do, you know, hike a mountain. You should be able to do things that, you know, take you away from the bullshit that we go through from, you know, working inside of an office at a desk, staring at, staring at a computer all the time. And, um, you know, same thing. You had the loss of curvature. And, uh, mm. you know, so we, we addressed that issue and, um, man, lo and behold, he, he, he wasn't on any medications by the time we got done with him. That's and what's awesome. fascinating is, is just that, you know, you, you, when you're, when you're dealing with the, you know, the specialist, you think there's, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot of professions in the medical field that are higher than a neurologist. Sure. I mean, you got cardiologists, you got neurosurgeons, you got, you know, cardiothoracic surgeons, not right. a whole lot more than that. And, um, you know, when they have all of their, you know, potions and lotions and, and <laughs> drugs and that sort of thing, and they cannot control some of these, you know, very simple symptoms that, uh, you know, you realize that there's a lot to be, there's uh, a lot of stuff that is missed because they, uh, they just aren't taught you know, about certain things in, in and about our body. Right. You know? And, um, I want to get your comment on that, but, um, you know, when we, <clears throat> when we look at, um, the process of, you know, of treating patients, you know, so, you know, so often we'll I'll have patients come in and say, well, you know, I don't believe in chiropractic. <laughs> I don't give a shit if you believe in <laughs> chiropractic. What it, I mean, what does that mean? Does, it, does that mean that I can't, you know, you don't believe that if I adjust you and you feel better that, you know, that, that I'm doing like some sort of magic. I mean, what does that mean? I don't and, believe in gravity. Yeah. And, and then it comes down to, uh, you know, the philosophy because a lot of chiropractors are, are, uh, you know, will preach the philosophy, the original philosophy of chiropractic. And, um, you know what I, you know, to those people that say, well, I don't believe in it. I'm like, well, you know, doesn't bother me. I'm going to go through and do my job and figure out what, you know, if there's a way that I can help you. Sure. And, uh, so many, uh, so, so many times those patients become the best patients because it's like, you know what, you didn't try and sell me on a bunch of long-term care. You didn't, you know, blow smoke up my ass. You didn't, you know, you didn't give me something that, uh, you know, gave me a bunch of side effects, you know, you yeah. fixed it. And I think that's what, you know, we focus at, at in here is, you know, we're focusing on trying to fix people so they can get back to enjoying life and be vibrant again. So here's my thought that comes up when you talk about that. I can't remember where I heard it. It was sometime in school. I don't know the reference, but somebody was talking about people that study um, counterfeit money. You know, they're working for the FBI or CIA or whatever agency yeah. handles that. FBI, yeah. FBI, yeah. Yep. Counterfeit money. Yeah. They spend their time studying the real deal, yeah. the real bill. Yeah. Right? Right. What a real check would look like or what a real dollar bill would look like. The feel, the smell. The feel of it, the smell of it, the weight of the paper, the, the ink. Yeah. So that when a counterfeit comes along, they can see it right off the bat. Yeah. Western medicine, allopathic medicine, 
spends a lot of time studying the counterfeit, mm-hmm. studying every little disease, studying every little thing that goes wrong in the body. It, it's very disease driven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think that's naturopathic medicine, chiropractic. We spend more time studying and learning the real deal, real health. What, what does it look like when things are going right? Mm-hmm. So that when something comes in and it's off, mm-hmm. we can notice that better. We can identify that better. We know, we know what it's supposed to look like and feel like and smell like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so when it smells off, then that raises our red flag and we can do something about it. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, the, uh, you know, I, I always try and educate patients, you know, that, you know, they will know as much about their condition that we're treating that I know. And it helps them to understand it. And, um, you know, I think that when the body has everything going right. It's going in the right direction. It's amazing, you know, how quickly it heals, how good you feel. You know, I'm like, you know, okay, you have a loss of neck curvature. We're going to make your neck feel like your right elbow. Have any problems with your right elbow? No, I don't even think about it. Exactly. How's the neck any different? And so often it's just like, well, you got to go to the chiropractor and get adjusted all the time. Well, you have to get the neck curvature fixed and adjustments, you know, a lot of times aren't the only thing that is needed for that. But, um, you know, even going into, you know, say the extreme, say if we go into, you have a lifetime of abuse, you know, of, uh, you have arthritic knees, you know, because you're, you know, you're, you're too fat. Everyone was being politically correct and never, they never, they got rid of bullying and never called you a fat. So, you know, and said, Hey man, what, what, why don't you quit eating so much? And maybe you wouldn't have all these problems, but you know, as people go through and then all of a sudden, you know, they're heading out of their prime and you know, they, you realize that, okay, that, you know, we got this, this, this chubby guy over here that, uh, you know, he's, he's probably has heart disease. He's heading into diabetes. He's, you know, too much weight on his frame. So his knees and his, his legs are aching and, you know, the Mm -hmm. hips are going South and then you got no energy because, you know, you're just, uh, Tubelard, then, you know, a lot of times they'll go to that, you know, because, you know, time is, it just drips away so quickly that, you know, they've gone 20 years and they realize that, man, I've been obese for a long time. Now, what do I do about it? And so often you go to, you know, orthopedic surgeon and, you know, I always tell patients, if you're going to go through surgery, this is one thing you ask them. And it puts a very different perspective on your thoughts on this is, before you cut into my knee, before you, you know, fix my, uh, fix my shoulder, what do you guarantee? Mm. What is my money back guarantee? What is the guarantee that if it doesn't get fixed, then I'm going to come after you for malpractice because you misled me. And, you know, so often I see these surgeons say, oh yeah, surgery is great. Must be the physical therapy. You need more physical mm-hmm. therapy. You know, <laughs> I looked at the x-rays, surgery looks great. You know, they're, they're, I always saw this, you know, this passing the buck and, you know, I think what, what the point that I'm trying to make is that people have to be in charge of their health. They have to make the right choices and not just blindly follow what doctors, you know, order and yeah. the vaccination, the masks were the perfect thing. You know, when you and I are looking at this thing and we're like, 
this thing is getting way out of control for something that has such a, a low mortality rate. Over you know? 99% recovery rate. Yeah. And do you remember our couple episodes, we got a couple episodes uh, in the archive there about the Pfizer data dumps? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking 1,500 different adverse events yeah. that they and knew it, about. Yeah, and you're not they talking about a runny nose either. You're talking about some serious side effects. Like 1,200 people die in the trials. Yeah. We, and, and they why? wanted to bury this yeah. for 55 years. Yeah. And then they came back and said... Uh, Bullshit, no, give, you're going to re release it right now. So then they said, okay, we'll release it in 75 yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, you're yeah, going to release they, it now. Yeah, that's when they sent the mob over like, oh, you don't understand English, huh? <laughs> We're going to teach you some English here. You, I think you hit the nail on the head about empowering patients. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as I want to treat people, I don't want you here. Mm -hmm. I want you to learn the tools so that you can be your own best expert. That's it right there. And yeah, that requires some coaching up front. And then when, pay, and when they benefit from that, they refer in and say, you know what, that, that Bradford, yeah. he's, he's walking to a different tune over here. You need to go in there and see what he's talking. I just had a follow-up with the patient yesterday. Liver enzymes through the roof. Kidney filtration, kidney function in the basement. Mm -hmm. You know, her kidney's not working right. Her liver's not working right. Yeah. Um, she's pre-diabetic. Okay. Um, so on her way to developing full-blown diabetes. Mm -hmm. Mainstream Western medicine approach to that mm -hmm. would be medication, medication, medication. Sure. Right? Yeah. Instead, I gave her a couple of targeted supplements. Mm -hmm. I sent her a personalized, customized meal plan. Mm -hmm. She did labs one month later. Mm -hmm. Liver enzymes are normalized. Her kidney, so it's a lab called GFR, mm -hmm. glomerular filtration rate. Mm -hmm. It's a measure of how well are your kidneys filtering your blood. Mm -hmm. She was in the 30s. She's now at 50. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cut off is 60. So mm -hmm. she's moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. uh, and she is no longer pre-diabetic mm -hmm. in a month. Yeah. Her, her numbers improved. Yeah. And that, that was with a couple of nutraceuticals and giving the body what it needs mm -hmm. as far as diet goes. Mm -hmm. Like you, there is another way. Yeah. And, and I see it every day. And you know what's sad about that is that you can present that to her PCP and it'd be like, you know, it'd be like you're talking to someone who, you know, is a useful idiot out there that, that just believes everything the, you know, the, the government says. I mean, her, they, her doctor, so the patient gave me her old labs. Uh -huh. Her doctor checked this kidney marker mm -hmm. in like June. So four, four months ago, yeah, four or five months ago. And it was already below the six, below 60. Yeah. Did they do anything about it? Yeah. No. Oh, exactly. What's their plan? What so is, what is the plan? <laughs> there ain't none until they get so bad that they, you know, get referred out to. And that's, that's the model. It's very reactive. Yeah. Western medicine, allopathic medicine. It's very much wait and see Yeah. when it gets bad enough, then we'll intervene. Or 
have, you know, like have vaccines where they're just way oversold. Well, you know what? If everyone gets vaccinated, then we wouldn't have this. How about that? Okay. So, <laughs> so I didn't get vaccinated. So I'm the problem. Yeah. You're the problem. Yeah. Now, wait a second. I thought you said that this would be eliminated because the vaccine was supposed to protect me. Now I can get COVID. Are you kidding? Now, wait a second. I, I look at these people like, I'm like, you know, what planet are you from that you, you are so dense that you can't see what the hell is going on and what they're doing to the kids is downright evil because, you know, when the, uh, when there's a, a FOIA request with the uh, uh, CDC, they couldn't come up with one child that had died from COVID in the U.S. under the age of 15. And the, the fear and the mental anguish and the, the, the issues that, that came on because they're closing schools over this horseshit that they were, you know, that they were peddling, yeah. you know, to our, our kids. Are you kidding me? You know, and where is, who's, you know, and this is kind of, kind of where we're at in society. Who is going to roll in and just start arresting people and say, you aren't going to be doing this bullshit anymore because, you know, I guarantee that because people, you know, the, the useful idiots out there that, that just, you know, follow the, you know, they're like sheep. They just, they just follow. They don't, they never question. They're drinking the Kool-Aid, even though the Kool-Aid has poison in it. They're just yeah. going to go the same route and listen to these same idiots. And they're like, well, you know, Whoopi says, well, we need to get the fifth booster. Oh, what? Oh my God. You know? I, and I do not get it. And, and, you know, the, the people need to wake up and, you know, hopefully with, hopefully with our, uh, grand podcast, uh, you know, audience of, uh, let's see, last time we checked was three and, uh, <laughs> that was counting you and me. That include, yeah, I watched it a couple of times. <laughs> oh, so, so, it's, shoot. so it's just us, <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, you know, things will get out and, and, you know, I think that my God, you know, when no, when, we, we we've got listeners all around the world. Is that right? Germany, yeah, Germany. You know what? Germany, that? Canada, all over the United States. I even I even got a a, a DM. They said, Doctor D, we want to know what you're feeding the gods. I'm like, I, that's 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 the secret, baby. I can't we can't be letting that out. No, I th I think we got a, a couple more listeners than just. Me and my mom. I know my mom's listening. <laughs> so anyway, well, it's it's a different paradigm. Um, you know, it's it's flat Earth versus round Earth. Yeah. And once you realize this new paradigm, yeah, you can't ever go back. No, no, you can't. That I, that's why I kind of laugh at the phrase integrative medicine. Yeah, we're not integrating nothing. Yeah. It's very different paradigms. Oh yeah. It's, it's a it's a different way of seeing the human body. Yeah. Honoring the process just the process of disease. I mean, you take the concept of a fever. It's a perfect example of the total difference in philosophy. Mm -hmm. You know, the fever in allopathic medicine is seen as something bad, evil, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. must be destroyed. Mm -hmm. You know, so Tylenol, Motrin, this and that. Turn off the fever. Yeah, yeah. A naturopathic doctor, a vitalistic naturopathic doctor, sees the fever as everything going right. Right. And your body moving in a direction of healing. Right. So you honor that fever. You support it. You, you don't let it get out of control, but you don't shut it off. You monitor it. 
So just using that as like a example of the different that you can learn a lot from that little example. Yeah. Well, you know, that, and, and, you know, one more thing that I need to bring up is that, you know, when it comes to naturopathy, there's a big cardiology group here in town and they hired a naturopath, you know, right out. Oh. And, uh, <clears throat> they made, made a big fanfare of that, you know, now we're integrating natural medicine and that sort of thing, which was pure bullshit. And I was friends with the guy that they hired and he's like, I'm just a figurehead. He goes, I don't do shit. He goes, all I'm doing, he goes, they let me come in there and, and, uh, sit through the, uh, the appointments. And, uh, he goes, I just watch, I'm not allowed to, you know, intervene okay. or ask questions. And they said, well, you know, if you got anything to add, add it. And he goes, he goes, I've added stuff, but he goes, these guys don't do any of that. Okay. He goes, I'm just a figurehead. He goes, it's total bullshit. It's just a marketing thing. Mm. And, um, you know, but for the useful idiot out there, they're like, oh, wow, this is integrated medicine that, you know, they got a naturopath on, on staff and it, it's, you know, the, the amount of draw that they bring people in just because of that is, you know, they should, you know, someone should roll in there and, and bust some heads open because they're <laughs> misleading people. They just like keep him in a trophy case in the yeah. lobby. Like yeah. here's look, here's yeah. our natural. I know you know who he is because we've talked about it. But you know, it's it was very fascinating. I'm just like, you know, he's telling me this, and he's like, he goes, yeah, I've, you know, I get a lot of notoriety, but you know, it I've mean heard a similar. Thing. I've heard similar things about. There's a hospital here. They have a location here in Arizona, cancer cancer treatment centers of America. Yeah, they hire naturopaths. Yeah. And from what I've heard, you know, because we had some students that would do rotations there yeah. sometimes, like the naturopaths on staff there basically can give a little bit of nutrition advice Yeah, to the cancer patients. Like what? Take, take some vitamin C? Yeah. I mean, shit like that? Cut out sugar. Uh, but, but they're not, you know, and they market that. Right. Yeah. We've got a full team of integrative, whatever. Yeah. And they're not prob. I don't know. I can't, I don't know for sure, but I don't think they're probably using the naturopaths to the full extent of yeah, what yeah. they could do. Yeah. It's yeah. You know, it's people need to wake up and, and, you know, smell the coffee, what the hell is going on out there. And yeah. you know, the, the, you know, when, uh, when I have patients like, like you know, well, medical doctors don't like you chiropractors, you know, or whatever. I'm like, you know, you just haven't met the right medical doctors. You come around and hang or hang around here and you'll see them in my office every single week. Yep. You know, there's a reason why I got up for staff privileges at two hospitals. And it's because they see something that's lacking in their field. But the trouble is, is that what's the standards of care? You know, yeah. what's the standards of care refer to a chiropractor? I don't think so. You know, they yeah. want to, they, they want to keep those drugs flowing. You know, people, you know, a lot, a lot of the useful idiots out there, they want their narcotics. They want their muscle relaxers. Mm -hmm. You know, I have patients, some, some don't even take them. They just sell them, you know, but they're, they're, Jeez. there's a lot of, you know, bullshit that goes around and, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see. There's a show that I, I watched the first episode. I haven't gotten into the rest of it. It's called Dope Sick. Yeah. You heard of this? Yeah. It's on Hulu. It's uh -oh. with uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Um, Virginia, set in Virginia, I believe. And it goes into the, the rise of OxyContin yeah. and the whole opioid epidemic. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah. You talk, you, you talk about a shit show. They, I mean, they targeted 
these small like mining construction lumber towns where a lot of people were getting hurt a lot of people in pain and And the drug reps lied to the doctors drug reps um, slimy we don't have any problem with getting hooked on this stuff that was their line less less than one percent of people become addicted yeah pure bullshit and approved by the fda FDA gave like a, a new approval rating or yeah. new category of these drugs, right, right. like the extended release. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, that, that reminds me, you know, ignorance of the law does not, you know, buy you a pass just because you break the law that now you're off scot-free. And it's the same thing for those scumbags that are in there that, you know, if you take a job, you should be held to a standard that, okay, you do the research and if you're telling eh, less than 1%, you know, we'll get addicted on this stuff and it's total bullshit. Yeah. Someone should be in jail. There's a lot of people that should be in jail that earned a lot of money, you know, and whether it comes from the top or wherever it is, but you just go right on down the chain. And if someone has to be a, you know, a, a rat and, and turn on their employer and, you know, but you yeah. know, people die. I mean, we're in a, 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 a drug fueled mess with the fennel coming across, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's just when you, because I I might've watched something very similar, but you know, these, these liars are just not held accountable. You know, what they, I think they arrested the top guy or something like that, or he had to pay a fine or something like that. I don't even know. It's like the Sackler family. Yeah. But I need to go back and what about all the scumbags that actually sold this stuff? Yeah. That talk to these docs and, you know, and the doctors are, you know, unfortunately they're like, you know, they're just looking for, okay, here's, here's the new drug. Let me, let me just dish this out. And the next thing you know, you're just a, a yeah. you know, the, the next drug peddler on the block that, you know, instead of passing it out, you know, pulling it out of your pocket, you, you, you write it on a script and you got to take it somewhere. You know, I, I have this status it's pinned at the top of my profile on Gab, uh, where I, I say I've I've never sat down with a drug rep, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I see that like as a badge of honor. Yeah, I never will. Yeah, there's been I can probably count on one hand how many times I've had a even a supplement rep in here in the office. Yeah, yeah, and they leave, and I I feel like uh, yeah. I feel like I need to go take a shower. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and, so and, it's like, and, and what do the drug reps look like? I mean. In my family practice, we had a, a room. I mean, we, we got broken into many times. We had a room that was just chock full. This was back in the day when... Samples? <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know, uh, muscle relaxers, you know, the whole thing. And just, you know, here's a bunch of samples and, you know, dish them out and see you know, see what people think. Yeah. They and, come in uh, in a short skirt and then... Well, yeah. And that, that leads me to the next thing is that, you know, they hire these people. And I don't know where the hell they grow them at, but these are like perfect people. You know, where they come in and the, you know, the doctors are, you know, they're just inundated with stress. And then all of a sudden male doctor and they have a, you know, this good looking girl come in and they're like, Oh, hold, hold my calls, you know, and they pay these girls so much money. And same thing with the guys. I mean, I've had, I have patients that are drug reps, you know, that are guys. And I mean, these, these guys are, you know, they target them and, you know, it's like, you know, do you think that, that, you know, doctors, you know, do the research to figure out what the hell is going on with all of these drugs that they're peddling? No, they just, they just take the drug no. rep's word for it. 
Oh yeah, done. You know, it's here's the half life. It's out of the system in no time. And we uh, we should put up a no soliciting sign on the front door. No drug reps allowed. Yeah, no kidding. Come in here and you can get your ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put him in a rear naked choke. If, if, you can, <laughs> if you can get past this guy and this guy, then we'll let you give your spiel. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, and here's the other, here's a, here's a nasty thing. And if you think that payoffs don't, don't happen behind the scenes and, uh, uh, you know, surgeons and, and, uh, uh, you know, labs and, and, uh, radiology yeah. groups, I mean, you're, you're, you are sadly mistaken. It's highly illegal. But hell, I saw it, and I was like, "Hey, this is—you guys shouldn't be doing this." Like, "Hey, well, hey, you give us an MRI, and we're gonna—we'll pay you four hundred bucks, you know, in cash." I'm like, and next what? thing you know, you know, all of a sudden, and I, I had, you know, I had friends, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this is how I make the money," you know. So now everyone that comes in, well, they need an MRI. Yeah. So all sure. of a sudden, you know, you're making, you know, you're making another ten grand a week just by dishing this out and i'm like yep where's you know where's where's the uh the guys to kick the door in and, and slap handcuffs on these assholes yeah medical ethics it's i'm a, probably i'm probably gonna get contacted uh dr dan <laughs> i need you to uh come with us we need to ask you a few questions about some allegations <laughs> you made oh boy you know but i tell you that that sort of shit happens and sometimes you think that your doctor has your best interest in mind you got another thing coming on that yeah. tell you that much well I'm glad we're doing what we're doing some kind of alarms going off I yeah think. I think that's my phone is that your phone yeah that's my phone I did it's time to like wrap that. it up yeah yeah I think All that's right. my phone so well it's a good talk and uh, we'll come right back at it in a couple weeks sounds good doc always a pleasure